here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Good day. This is Cecil Pevington, British attaché to Music of the Mat. The following episode concerns the themes of Progress Wrestling, a promotion founded and operated under the auspices of good old Union Jack. For those of you who are citizens of England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, or any of the other territories in this glorious United Kingdom, please enjoy the podcast. For those of you who do not serve Her Majesty the Queen of England, well, I'm afraid I have some bad news. You need a UK passport to listen to this episode. It's for British eyes only. For British eyes only. to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and joining me today is someone who is currently sitting about 3,000 miles away from me right now in England. He is one of the hosts of the podcast, Then, Now, Whatever. It's Duncan Joyce. Duncan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's uh, great to have you on, man, for sure. Um, Where in England do you live, by the way? Manchester, England, England. (laughs) Okay, Manchester. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I've never been to Manchester. Uh, I, I did go to Norwich once for study abroad, oh, yeah. which is a very lovely city. But uh, hey, I'm sure Manchester is lovely in its own ways too. Manchester is a very great city. It's very accessible in general and uh, quite pleasant. And we get lots of great wrestling here too, which is great. Yeah, that's uh, always a plus. That's always a plus. <laughs> so uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your history with watching pro wrestling as a whole. I started watching around about the tail end of 1999. I first became aware of wrestling through video games. Uh, I'd get all the monthly magazines and start seeing the reviews and stuff for games linked to wrestling. I'm like, oh my god, this is like Mortal Kombat come to life. This looks amazing. And then all of my friends at school turned out to be really getting into wrestling around about that time. And then I stumbled upon... WCW Worldwide, which is on Channel 5 over here. So it's kind of like if um, if, if you're in America, if you had a wrestling show on Fox, basically. It's like the, the newest 
it was like the most recent terrestrial TV channel over here. So it was a pretty big deal. And then within three months of that, the WWF started airing on Channel 4, which is again, another free-to-air channel. And yeah, I just got hooked really, really quickly. And I've been watching ever since. I've never been burned out on wrestling or anything. It's nonstop. I see. So uh, has music played a big part of your fandom? Definitely, yeah. There's so many memorable themes. I mean, I'm quite particular in a way, like, I mean, there's so many subjects that you've covered on the, the podcast in the past that have really um, struck a chord with me, especially like the Undertaker episode. I'm very particular about my likes in terms of Undertaker themes. <laughs> I'm very much a pre-Ministry Dark Side fan, not a Ministry Dark Side fan. <laughs> so, uh, so no demonic chanting for you then, I suppose. <laughs> no. And then course, I had uh, WrestleMania 2000 on the N64, and the, the theme in that one was based on that time in... I think it was only WrestleMania 15 where they came out where he was actually speaking English and not in demon tongues. Um, maybe. I, I, I don't know if I remember that, to be honest with you. It was like a except for Lord of Darkness. Oh yeah, that soul. one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. Um uh, Was that for fifteen? I'll have to look that up. I don't remember. But uh yeah, I know what that is, yeah, yeah. Uh but yeah, I just um I've really, really been digging uh Japanese themes recently. Um it was around about uh 2013 i started watching new japan and then i started finding a whole bunch of their themes i really really liked as well and of course you have your own wrestling podcast called then now whatever which is it's just a fantastic name by the way i i love that name um i assume that you were the one who came up with it it was me yeah um i can't really can't remember like where the inspiration came from but (laughs) I just, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's just a, a a moment of inspiration. It's served as well. There is another TNW podcast out there somewhere that we accidentally got tagged in by accident on Twitter one time. But yeah, um, in general, we cover mainly WWE stuff, but we have uh, a lot of a lot of the times. British wrestling comes into the show as well, and we have a few episodes dedicated to, especially how the bigger companies have tried to take advantage of our scene at the minute. All right, awesome, man. Awesome, yeah. Well, uh, again, it's great to have you on here, Duncan. Um, Today's episode, episode 27, is called The Songs That Built Progress. And this is actually a topic that you came up with, Duncan, and you messaged me about it on Twitter, asking if I could do it, and of course I said yes, and now here we are talking about it. Progress Wrestling. It's a promotion that most people, including myself, and I assume you as well, Duncan, consider to be the premier wrestling promotion in the UK today. No, for sure, yeah. One of the big shining lights of our scene here at the minute. We're all very much proud of. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it started in March of 2012, and since then it's grown by just leaps and bounds with sold-out shows, a rabid worldwide fan base, an insanely talented roster, and a history of some pretty damn great wrestling themes. And now, in 2018, I think it's fairly obvious that when it comes to the British wrestling boom of the 2010s, 
Progress Wrestling is the leader of the pack. It's the first words out of people's mouths when they talk about UK wrestling nowadays. Um, now, full disclosure on my part here, uh, I don't watch Progress on a regular basis. I have seen a bunch of their matches here and there. I keep up with some of the various storylines and goings-on in the promotion. I know who most of the wrestlers who work there are, but I don't watch every show when it comes out. Duncan, I know that you, on the other hand, you are a big fan of Progress, and you've watched a bunch of their shows, and you actually went to a live show recently, so I guess I'll defer to you here. Uh, what is it about Progress that appeals to you? Um, what do you like about it? Just give me your overall thoughts on Progress Wrestling. So I first came across Progress because they had uploaded one of their shows in its entirety for free on YouTube because one of their cameras was broken and they weren't satisfied with the quality of it. And it turns out as well that that was one of the last, that show had one of the last independent appearances of the man who had become Finn Balor on there as well. And he wrestled Zack Sabre Jr. And so that was really one of the, one of my initial forays into the wrestling scene here in Britain and I was just blown away with the work rate and the characters and the presentation of the storylines. Um, from then on, um, my awareness of British wrestling was really boosted by the second series of TNA British Boot Camp. I recognised a whole bunch of faces from that show that was on YouTube, and I'd go on and keep an eye out for them later on in shows and uh, it's actually appropriate that we're recording this episode on this day uh, we're recording on valentine's day because it's actually two years to the day that i attended my first ever progress wrestling show they started coming to manchester the tail end of 2015 and someone uh made me aware of that and was like oh i should, I should definitely check it out because uh, I kind of lost hope of seeing them live because they were in London, and that's a bit of a uh, that's a bit of a journey for me. I don't really like London in particular; it's a bit too big for a city, um, like navigating and stuff. But then when they're coming to Manchester, I'm like, oh, this is this is my inlet here, and yeah, just the the atmosphere being within the venue and um, having that kind of like having such a positive vibe to everything, you know, people are always willing to see the best out of all of the wrestlers. You know, it's, it's kind of like ECW in a way, but always veering towards uh, making a match a success instead of like taking a massive dump on things when they're going wrong. But yeah, and just, it, it kind of feels like a kind of football terrace environment as well. There's lots of chance. All of the, Owners are either involved in like theatre or comedy, and I feel that that influence kind of filters through into the way the show and the audience interact with each other. There's a lot of humour in the way that the audience tries to interact with the wrestlers and the way the wrestlers react back, and that really appealed to me as well. Yeah, the thing I like the most about Progress is that it became this hub for the next generation of amazing British wrestlers. And it featured them prominently. And you could see them, you know, these stars on the rise in one place. And because of that, Progress introduced me 
to a lot of British wrestlers that I had not known about beforehand. It's funny, uh, you know, you mentioned the Broken Camera Show was the first show you ever saw, which was Chapter 13, I believe it was. Um, That's correct, yes. Yeah, yeah, that was the first clip of progress I ever saw, actually. And for those that don't know, Prince Devitt, a.k.a. Finn Balor, when he left New Japan in 2014 to go to WWE, he went on this big farewell tour in the UK before he went to NXT. And I saw a clip of him making his entrance at that progress show dressed up like the Joker from Dark Knight for his match against uh, Sabre. And I thought that it was so cool that he could do that in that environment. Then I found another clip of Devitt making his entrance dressed as Hannibal Lecter with the mask and the gurney and the straitjacket and all that stuff. And that was for his match against Jimmy Havoc, which was the first time I ever saw Jimmy Havoc ever. And then from there, I bounced around from clip to clip to clip and eventually moved up to watching matches. So it was in progress where I first saw Jimmy Havoc, uh, Will Ospreay, Mark Andrews, Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, Trent Seven, Zach Gibson, um, Travis Banks, Tony Storm, Flash Morgan Webster, whole bunch of, of great British wrestlers. So I really appreciate Progress's emphasis on putting the spotlight on homegrown UK talent and establishing them as the stars. And now here we are in 2018 and you've got a whole smorgasbord of wrestlers who have this buzz around them. And you have an entire UK wrestling scene that has a buzz around it. And, you know, I, I understand that it's not just because of progress. You know, there's a, a whole group of promotions that have helped make British wrestling such a hot commodity that it is today. Um, you know, Rev Pro, ICW, OTT in Ireland, Fight Club Pro, Attack Wrestling, Defiant Wrestling, a whole bunch of them. But progress, it, it does have a considerable chunk of that pie to their name. Absolutely. You only have to go back late 2016 when WWE started to put their finger in the British wrestling pie, so to speak. And you know, they cited promotions like Progress in particular as a shining light because of the way that they cultivate their talent. And they essentially create this learning environment that really benefits, as you say, local talent. That's an important thing because... You still get to this day, there's the odd promotion that looks for an ex-WWF wrestler and that's the, where the whole show revolves and then everybody else is kind of given scraps, so to speak. Progress are very selective with their use of imports. I mean, their selections tend to be very, very good in general as well and a very, very good fit for their ethos and for the general wrestling style as well. You know, people like Matt Riddle and Volta and Keith Lee, Donovan Dijak, people like that who've come over and given really memorable moments. Definitely, yeah, yeah. The other thing I like about Progress is the music, as we'll see here on this episode. There's going to be a recurring phrase that you'll hear from me um, as well as Duncan, I imagine, too. Uh, and that phrase is, fits perfectly. Because as I was listening to the music on our list here, Duncan, I noticed how every song that we'll be discussing today fits perfectly in some way with the wrestler or wrestlers that it belongs to. And that is, I think, the benefit of being an indie wrestling promotion. You know, you can give wrestlers the freedom to 
dig into their music collections and choose a song that they feel best represents them, as opposed to leaving it up to a composer or a production company. And I'm not shitting on composers or production companies, not at all, but the freedom of choice is there with an indie company. So I gotta compliment the wrestlers here on our list for really nailing it on the head with their song choices here, Duncan. I agree 100%. And, you know, it's funny in terms of like using licensed themes, uh, copyrighted themes, as opposed to having someone in-house making stuff. I was blown away watching the Royal Rumble last month with Ronda coming out to Bad Reputation. And just yeah, how... Yeah, Joan Jett. Yeah. yeah, just how fresh it feels to having a, a recognisable theme tied to a wrestler as opposed to something where you're like scratching your head and what's going on here. But I mean, as you say, we'll we'll we will get into how closely tied some of these themes are to their characters, and that was a very big revelation for me going to watch Progress live because the initial shows they would edit out the entrances for the first twenty chapters or so, and so for me coming to a, a show live and to hear the the theme in in the context of them coming out and you know interacting with the fans and uh, getting prepped for their match. It was really quite a mind-blowing experience. Now, unfortunately, having said all that, most of the themes on our list here are no longer available at a Progress show because when you're a company like Progress, who start out as a small indie company in England, you pretty much have the free reign to pick whichever songs you want because not a lot of people are going to pay attention to you. That's just the way it is. But over time, when you get more and more popular, and all of a sudden WWE starts knocking at your door, those you know pesky copyright laws start to rear their ugly heads. So a good number of themes on our list here have already been replaced. Uh, and that's annoying as all hell. It sucks. We hate to see it happen. But, uh, you know, dems to breaks, as they say. Yes, that's correct. It's around about this time last year when this shift started to happen. And it is a shame. I mean, we can make a whole other episode about this shift in particular um, down the line at some point, because I think it's interesting the way they've tried to adapt and replicate the same character touches with less resources, shall we say. Um, But yeah, as you say, it's a... It's definitely a big talking point as far as the more recent shows go, you know, in terms of does it perhaps detract from the atmosphere a little bit? You know, there's always that pause to try and, you know, there's not always that instant recognition anymore when themes hit, which is a great shame. But it's the same with any kind of change in music, you know, it will build eventually and people will start to associate that with the talents involved. Yeah, it's like when, I guess, like, you know, a wrestler goes to WWE and has to change their name. And you have to remind yourself over and over and over again that it's not Chris Hero anymore, it's Cassius Ono. Or it's not Claudio Castagnoli anymore, it's Cesaro. Until eventually the new name just becomes the new normal. Unless you're Roderick Strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or uh, Drew Gulak, or Akira Tozawa, or 
you know, the, the 20 other guys who didn't have to change their names. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, uh, Duncan, are you ready to play some themes? Oh, yes, let's get into it. All right, well, we have nine themes to play for eight different wrestlers or tag teams. Now, obviously, this is not, you know, the be-all, end-all list, because that would mean that Progress has a pretty small roster, which is not the case. Um, I guarantee you, at some point down the line, there will be a volume two of this. So, uh, you know, just just save your complaints, folks, please. Um, or, or, if you do want to send your complaints, send them to Duncan, because he made the list, so... <laughs> Sorry, Duncan. Sorry. <laughs> hey, man. You know, I, I was told to work within a certain purview here. But, um, <laughs> I, I tried to sort of narrow it down to acts that were both historically significant for progress and like mainstays, and also acts that had a, a very interesting dynamic as far as how the themes fit the character. I'm just, uh, I'm just joking. Obviously, you did a great job here, Duncan. <laughs> Thank you. So we'll begin with our first theme, a theme for the tag team FSU. Mark Andrews and Eddie Dennis. They were the first ever Progress Tag Team Champions, and to this day, they are still the longest reigning champs in history. Off the album I Get Wet, this is Andrew WK with Party Hard. When it's time to party, we will party hard. So we're starting off here with a punk rock party song that, honestly, it's perfect for progress because a lot of their shows, they do come off like a party. You know, a bunch of people jammed in together, there's this tangible energy pulsating around the room, there's music and lights and all sorts of commotion, like chanting. It's a real party atmosphere here. And if there's any song that just, you know, perfectly conveys this intense excitement over partying. It's Party Hard by Andrew W.K. I mean, it's it's right there in the title. So this is a great choice to have for a wrestling theme. It's fast-paced, it's upbeat, it gets the crowd pumped up, they can sing along to the chorus, and it's a perfect choice for FSU as well, who, when they were a team, they were this intense, high-energy, punk rock, baby-faced tag team. So it's a great fit for them. I mean, yeah, exactly. They're a very good, feel-good act. You know, they're both both of their characters were very high in terms of positivity, and like you say, with the wrestling style, like with Mark Andrews being the high flyer, Eddie Dennis being the sort of base of the team. Um, it's good that you mentioned the word intensity earlier on. That's probably going to come up in a lot of these themes. Um, but with Party Hard in particular, I feel that this is perhaps the sexy boy of the themes in progress. You know how, like, when... If you pay close attention to the lyrics of Sexy Boy, you think, this is really, really daft. How can you take any wrestler seriously yeah. when <laughs> you, you, you hear Sean monologuing about how great he is and stuff and how sexy he is? 
but it still has these dramatic elements to it, such that when the intro hits, you're like, oh, Shawn Michaels is here, shit's going to go down, you know? And I feel like Party Hard is kind of similar in that respect, in that, yes, it's a very feel-good anthem, but there's still that intensity to the arrangement of this song, such that when FSU would be coming out for like a blood feud or something like that, it would not feel out of place. Yeah, um, I would also say that the song fits this team really well because of their name, FSU. Um, Eddie Dennis did this interview once with a blog, and they asked him, where does the name FSU come from? You know, what, what does it stand for? And he answered, and I quote here, FSU was a militant street edge gang back in the day. They used to beat up drug dealers. The story goes that they told people it stood for Friends Stand United, when in fact it stood for Fuck Shit Up. Me and Mark are far from straight edge, but we're both massively into the punk rock DIY culture, so we took the name from there. So Mark and Eddie, clearly influenced by the punk scene, um, the DIY culture, as Eddie puts it, Well, here you have Party Hard, which is a song about forging your own path, doing your own thing, taking charge of your destiny. It's just all about partying. (laughs) You know, the verse that goes, Because we will never listen to your rules. We will never do what others do. Do what we want, and we get it from you. Do what we like, and we like what we do. So it's not just the overall tone of the song. It's right there in the lyrics as well. For sure. And especially when it comes to the guitars around the bridge, there's, you know, as well as this intensity, there's this kind of juvenile quality to it as well. It sounds really kind of school lad, like, nee, 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 nee. Yeah, I really quite like. You know, um, I'll be honest here. Uh, Eddie Dennis is a guy who I haven't seen a lot of over the years. I've heard his name a ton, and I know that before he got injured recently, he was on this big heel run in progress. Mark Andrews, though, on the other hand, I've seen a bunch of his stuff over the years because he was in TNA, the WWE UK shows, PWG, NXT. So I really dig Mark Andrews a lot here. And now he's on 205 Live in that Cruiserweight title tournament. So now he has a chance to become an even bigger name now, which is great because, you know, I I love him so much. Mark Andrews is kind of like our equivalent of Rey Mysterio. He is just that smooth in the air. I just, my jaw drops at some point every Mark Andrews match I see, pretty much. And as you mentioned, Eddie Dennis is perhaps more of an unknown quantity to a North American audience, but he's still a very good hand. I was really sold on him as a singles performer at a show I went to last July where he was facing Pete Dunne. And if he won the match, he got a title shot out of it. And it was just really, really good. A nice sort of coming out party for him as a singles performer. And, I mean, as you say, he he's, has this chest injury now, but he's doing very, very well with this heel run opposed to Mark Andrews. And I mean, hopefully he'll be able to continue that in some form, even though he is injured, because he's excellent at it, really. The next theme on our list is for the inaugural Progress Atlas Champion. Rampage Brown. This is Hatebreed with a song off their album Perseverance. The song is called I Will Be Heard. Now is the time for me to rise to my feet. Wipe your spit from my face, wipe these tears from my eyes. 
Now, on the one hand here, Duncan, you could simply take this song at face value and merely describe it as, uh, you know, to quote Steve Carell and Anchorman, loud noises. Because, you know, Hatebreed, they are a metalcore band, and this is your typical metalcore song with an aggressive, nonstop barrage of heavy metal music and Jimmy Justa's caustic vocals. You could just look at it as, oh, it's just a badass metalcore song about beating people up or whatever. But if you take the time to dig a little deeper here into the lyrics, you can see that the message of the song has a lot more going for it than beating people up. It's all about the album title, Perseverance. You know, rising above the hatred and insults and negativity that other people feel towards you, that they've done towards you. It's about putting your foot down and letting your voice be heard and being the best that you can be in the face of adversity. Kind of like an even more aggressive version of Party Hard, in a way, which is also about resistance and perseverance. The lyrics have this very uplifting, positive message. I've got to take my life back, one chance to make it right. I've got to have my voice be heard and bring meaning to this life. I've been tried and tested, but I won't accept defeat. I just want to make good on all the promises that I've made. Through the worst, we prevail, so our voices will be heard. And that's a very positive outlook. So while Hatebreed and Metalcore in general may not be my cup of tea, I do appreciate that this song has a lot more depth to it than the average screamo metal song, um, I think at least. I'm 100% with you on this. Yeah, like I was digging through the lyrics as you were and just like the earnesty in this song behind the delivery of it was quite striking to me it's kind of like um you know in that kate fear episode of the simpsons when homer's in deliberately scaring bart in his bedroom <laughs> <laughs> he's just trying to like show his new hockey mask and <laughs> the cookies at mars <laughs> but, but the hatebreed guy would be a very good fit for that element of homer's character <laughs> like Bart, do you want to see my new chainsaw and hockey mask? (laughs) (laughs) But but anyway, the thing about the lyrics, yeah, with the lyrics, they are definitely a very, very good fit for Rampage Brown on two fronts. You know, here is a man who was chewed up and spat out by the old WWE developmental system. Not sure if you'll have come across this, but he was at one point used as an enhancement talent on WWECW. Yeah, I think I saw a picture of that once. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you're listening to this, if you can track down a picture of Rampage Brown in WWE developmental, just it's a testament to how much body hair or lack of body hair, (laughs) facial hair or lack of facial hair can change an appearance in a man. Um. So yeah, so he's returned home from this and he's looking to, you know, make his life right again. But Rampage Brown also, he first came to progress just as um, like a one-off appearance. El Liguero picked him as an opponent for his main rival at the time, Nathan Cruz. But later on, uh, in the shows that followed, Rampage Brown joined this group called Screw Indie Wrestling 
who were very much they were above the whole indie aura. They were professionals. They were earning a living, devoted to wrestling. They wrestled a certain way. They looked a certain way. They carried a certain attitude. And eventually, Rampage Brown would disown that group. Uh, he won an event called the Progress World Cup in 2014. And, you know, some of the principal members of Screw Indie Wrestling were injured and out. So Rampage Brown was just going out and wrestling and the audience were appreciating his his performances. So you can see he was kind of like straying away from that group. And then once he won the Progress World Cup, Jim Smallman came out and said, look, mate, if you just flat out say screw these guys then i'll let you wrestle samoa joe at the next show and hey presto he did and he he's been pretty much a beloved character in progress ever since yeah and just to reiterate here um i think the subject matter is a perfect fit for wrestling in rampage brown because wrestling is all about you know rising above adversity and taking charge of your life and you know being in command of your own destiny and Rampage Brown, he's another guy who I haven't seen much of, but he is, uh, shall we say, <laughs> a rather aggressive-looking individual. You know, he's not called Friendly Brown or Loving Brown. Friendly Brown. He's Rampage Brown. So this really, really heavy metalcore song that is just pure aggression is a perfect fit here. I just pictured like Rampage coming out in a I am a hugger t-shirt or something <laughs> like hey, friendly brown. Um Rampage when he was featured in the failed World of Sport revival attempt Jim Ross called him a slobber knocker of a man and I can only wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. Yeah, he's a a very big angry man. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's funny though. Um Jamie Josta, the lead singer of Hatebreed He's actually a really big wrestling fan. Oh, really? Yeah, he's talked about wrestling in interviews. He's had wrestlers on his podcast, like uh, Mick Foley and Tommy Dreamer. So it, it's pretty cool that there's a pretty big wrestling fan who's also a prominent member of the metal community. And he's a pretty nice guy, too. So that's, that's pretty cool. Well, that's awesome. All right, let's move on to our next wrestler, who actually has two themes on our list. Marty Skrull. The only two-time Progress Champion in history. Nowadays, Marty Skrull is the villain. But before he was the villain, he was Party Marty. And the theme that he had as Party Marty is by the Bloody Beat Roots, featuring Steve Aoki. This is Warp 1.9. So I know I keep coming back to Party Hard, but we'll do it again here because like Party Hard, Warp 1.9, it does give off a certain party vibe, but it's a different type of party than Party Hard, because Party Hard is a very chaotic, punk rock, metal party with mosh pits and PCP. You want to go nuts and jump up and down, make a mess of things. 
Warp 1.9 is sort of, not the total opposite of that, but it's a geometric shift in a different direction. It's the electronic dance party. And things are not necessarily calm, but there's a bit more of an order to things. Um, the, the steady beat keeps things in line. We get this with the ticking clock at the beginning, that and with that kick pad beat in the background that's all throughout the song, that So even though the song does get nice and bouncy and makes you want to wave some glow sticks around and all that ravey goodness, it's not as hectic as Party Hard. So there's a clear differential here in terms of the type of atmospheres that these themes are trying to convey. Mm, uh, it's not as hectic, but I do still find it quite disorientating. Like, I'd listen to this song and think, are you really having a good time? Like, they, they sound too determined and too absorbed within their urge to party. And I think that kind of fit Party Marty himself, especially because going back and looking at um, some of the older progress shows, I was surprised at how many aspects of the villain character were actually sort of bleeding into Party Marty and appearing. Like he had the top knot as early as chapter 12, I think it was, and he'd write villain on his tights, and then sure enough, pretty quickly, the whole overcoat and the umbrella would follow and funky glasses. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, like with the ticking of the clock, I could only think of. Like the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland. It's like all this really, really hectic search for a party. Like, oh goodness, I'm in a hurry, I'm in a flurry. I, I need to I, I need to go and find where the party's at and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a great comparison. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you mentioned seeing hints of the villain in Party Marty. It's funny, I think this song kind of foreshadows the eventual turn from Party Marty to the villain. Because, you know, you look at a photo of Party Marty and a photo of the villain, and you put them side by side, you'd think, well, how are these the same guy? And how did one become the other? But if you listen to Warp 1.9, you can find the seeds, because the song does have a, a sinister tone to it. It's not like a, a high-toned keyboard EDM song. It's got a lot of grime in it, you know, that, a lot of that wow, wow, wow noise, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like scanning the frequencies, looking for that ravey bit of the song where it's probably like... Yeah, yeah, there's some screaming involved too. You can really feel the menace of the villain peeking out from behind the curtain here. And then when Marty did become the villain, he would use the Princess Sisters remix of Warp 1.9 which takes the song in an even more sinister direction with how it's produced. Absolutely, yeah. And you could kind of see that in his character as well. But at the shows, people would still treat him as a fan favourite pretty much. And I think it was perhaps overlooked in terms of this aspect of his character because they thought, well, he's this is just how he's being affected by the title scene and you know, um, by the long reigning champion and the fact that he's not quite as close to the scene as he was when he first turned up in progress. You know, this is a man who's been involved with progress since the very first show and has always been somewhat hovering around the title scene. Well, I mean, that was especially the case when he was party Marty. 
Um, but he definitely needed a different turn of direction to fully solidify him as the guy, so to speak. You know, it's funny. The first time I ever saw Marty Skrull was when he was on that first season of British Boot Camp, which, for those that don't know, was kind of like TNA's version of Tough Enough. And that's actually where I first saw Rockstar Spud as well. Um, and, you know, there's there's party Marty Skrull, you know, clean shaven, no beard, happy to be there. And it's really weird to see him like that because he looks so different now. And you start to think that, you know, this guy has no idea the changes that are coming his way and how much bigger in wrestling it'll make him. Mm. You talk about being aware of him from British Boot Camp. I recently discovered a few months back that he was also on a, a very different kind of television show here in Britain. Oh, yeah. That, uh, that, that dating show or whatever it was? Yeah, Take Me Out. Yeah, that's I, it. I think yeah. there was a US version with George Lopez or something, but yeah, over here, it's it's a pretty big success. It's, you have a lineup of 30 or so women and a bachelor comes down from the lift and they have to pitch themselves to these women and they can turn their lights off if they don't like the look of the guy. And Party Marty Skrull was a contestant on this show. And it was very strange because he was built so very differently as well to what he is now. He's like a pretty big body guy. The highlight for me was um, in like one of the little video packages they had from uh, like trying to convince these women to date him jimmy havoc turned up like in a random hmv and like exposed him for his his poor taste in music or something i think, <laughs> I think that's what it was so changes abound for party marty when he turns into the villain and in progress he uses a theme done by the band portis head off their third album third which is you know, pretty appropriate this is machine gun takes a rather dark turn away from Warp 1.9 because even though you could say that Warp 1.9 has the DNA of a sinister song, it still has that driving EDM beat to it. It still has that, that oomph that perks it up and makes you want to bounce around a little bit to it. Machine Gun doesn't have that. This is not a song that makes you want to move and groove. It does the opposite, actually. It, it makes you want to sit in a corner somewhere and stare into the abyss. Because it's such a dark, lugubrious song. Um, you know, on the one hand, you have that beat, that boom, cha, bada 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 boom, cha, boom, cha, bada 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 boom, cha, and that truly lives up to the name of the song, Machine Gun. Not just because it sounds like a machine gun, but because it's so mechanized and cold and emotionless and remorseless no sense of soul or humanity or lightness behind it. And on the other hand, 
The humanity that we do have in the song is from Beth Gibbons, the lead singer of Portishead. And she's no ray of sunshine here either. You know, her voice and her lyrics are beautiful, but they're also so haunting and melancholic. And when you combine the two of them, you get a song that explicitly says that you don't want to be friends with the villain. Party Marty maybe, but not the villain, because he's dark and mysterious and probably best left alone. So this song does a great job of clearly drawing a line in the sand between the old Party Marty era, Marty Skrull, and the villain era. Just a fantastic song, too. Just so great. It's a, definitely a fantastic fit for this character and for how different he wanted to be from the way he was. And not just different from his previous character, but different from pretty much everybody else in progress. Like A lot of the other themes that we're exploring here have a great deal of pace to them and there's this kind of urgency and with here that's not really the case it's very sort of stark and brutal and it has just this completely different pace just forcing you to recognize and sink this all in and it's really really very fitting for a man snapped because he lost to someone who's a very beloved member of our community, Chris Travis, who was making his comeback from stomach cancer, and he was wrestling Marty Skrull at chapter 21. Now, Chris Travis beat Marty Skrull at that show, and Marty played all... Um, you know, he, he acted rather sporting at first, but then he kicked Chris Travis in the stomach. Now, if there's a more villainous act in wrestling than kicking a, a cancer survivor in the place where he formerly had cancer, then uh, why well, I'd say I'd like to see it. I'm not sure I'd really like to see it because it would be yeah. really... <laughs> that's um, that's up there. That's up there. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, from then on, he just cutting promos and making videos about how, you know, I told you I'm a villain. Why are you surprised? This has been there in front of your face this whole time you know, why are you suddenly now so against me? And there's a lot of these details in the lyrics as well, I feel. At one point it says, but now I realise that I'm only for me. And, you know, he, Marty came to Progress still kind of in a, like, semi-recognised as this part of his tag team with Zack Sabre Jr. And now he's very much legitimately, okay, I'm striking out completely for myself now. I'm only out for myself. Yeah, and uh, that can tie back into Warp 1.9, the Princess Sisters remix, because that has the lines, I just want, I just want, I just want, I just want everything. I want everything you got. And that's the same mentality of, I want what you have, and I'll do whatever it takes to get it. For sure. There's another line about though, recognizing the poison in my heart and kind of embracing this scumbag that he is. And it really paid off for him. Within two or three shows, he was the champion and he was the lead heel in progress. Um, I thought it was very, there was another lyric that was very relevant. I think it was the opening line, actually. I saw a savior come my way. I thought I'd see it in the cold light of day. And I thought it was very appropriate because the man he took the title off was Will Ospreay, who was 
basically the big saviour of progress from this mammoth title reign that Jimmy Havoc had, and which you know we'll get into in greater detail later on. But yeah, again, just there's so many touches to this that really fit the character and fit the performance of the character as well. Mm, yeah, it's just a just a chilling song. And my favorite part of it, actually, is at the end, when that synth melody kicks in, that... Absolutely. Oh, God, I get goosebumps every time I hear that. And it's interesting to note that this is the only full-time Marty Skrull theme that doesn't feature the whoop-whoop in it. Mm. I know he's had some temporary themes here and there, like um, I think he used Pretty Fly for a White Guy once or twice. But of the four regular themes that he's had, both mixes of Warp 1.9, Machine Gun, and One True Villain, this is the only one without the whoop whoops. And the whoop whoops are a staple of Marty Skrull's career. So this song is clearly the darkest song that Marty's ever had. Because at least One True Villain, which is also pretty dark, that does have the whoop whoops. Yeah, 100%. Okay, up next, the Aerial Assassin. Will Ospreay, former Progress champion. His Progress theme was done by ACDC. This is off the album Back in Black. It's Shoot to Thrill. here from ACDC, you know, some good old-fashioned, straightforward rock and roll music. You've probably heard this song a million times on the radio already. Um, the lyrics, like most of ACDC's songs, are highly suggestive about sex and drugs and rock and roll, but I think you could put it in the context of wrestling. Like the lines, I'm gonna take you down, 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 so don't you fool around, I'm gonna pull it, pull it, pull the trigger. So you can make the case for it, Duncan, I think. I think so too, and I mean, just as a mantra for a man who considers himself the aerial assassin, shoot to thrill is pretty damn fitting. You know, this is a very good fit for the flashy baby face who's out to make a work of art just as much as he is beat someone up. And um, yeah, I, I just, <laughs> as you're saying, if you think about it as. Um, you know, a euphemism for sex and that is a bit awkward, but I just I just think ACDC are great and a pretty good fit for pro wrestling in general. Yeah, and as far as Will Ospreay is concerned, it's a great fit for him for two reasons. First of all, this is a song that does get your blood pumping, and Will Ospreay is a wrestler who tends to have exciting matches that gets your blood pumping, so that works. The second is that this song, I feel, is like the total opposite of Machine Gun. No synths, no drum machines, no sad vocals from a depressed British lady. It's just full testosterone, balls to the wall, hard rock with Brian Johnston screaming his lungs out. 
And as history has shown, you know, Will Ospreay and Marty Skrull are generational rivals and opposites. Will is the full speed ahead, go, 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 wink and a smile babyface. Marty is the more technical, cruel, calculating heel. And what better way to further accentuate their differences than to give them entrance music that is on opposite sides of the spectrum. So that's a really clever move there. That's a very good point. They are really two of the biggest breakout stars from the promotion in terms of they were very prominent when this sort of international expansion and the international notoriety was coming about and they've gained probably a great deal of international opportunities out of both their work in progress and their work in like the WrestleCon shows working on behalf of progress. The other thing this theme has that really going for it in terms of being used in the context of a wrestling theme is that intro. I, you know, listening back to your Jim Johnson episode, you talk about this like sting that you want in the intro so that you can immediately identify someone and anticipate their arrival. And the, that opening guitar riff is just perfect in, in this case. To introduce our next wrestler, I like to quote Jim Smallman here. He's big. He's bad. Ask your mom. He's probably your dad. The Bastard, Dave Mastiff. Off the album Denim and Leather, this is Saxon with the song Denim and Leather. Here we have another rather straightforward rock song, uh, this one from Saxon. But I think this one, like Shoot to Thrill, can be seen as having a little bit more of a deeper meaning to it. And this is in relation to progress itself. Just to give a little backstory here about Saxon, Saxon is a band that is from the new wave of British heavy metal, such as uh, Iron Maiden, Def Leppard, Motorhead, um, Tigers of Pantang. Angel Witch, etc. And the song, Denim and Leather, is a tribute to the fans who supported the band and the genre as a whole because the common attire for metalheads back then was denim and leather. And the song is about the origin of the new wave of British heavy metal and the things that metal fans have done to support the genre. So lines like, Where were you in 79 when the dam began to burst? Did you check us out down at the local show? Were you wearing denim, wearing leather? Did you run down to the front? Did you queue for your ticket through the ice and snow? Did you read the music paper from the back into the front? Did you find out where to see your favorite band? Did you listen to the radio every Friday night? Did you hang around your local record store? Then we have the hook. Denim and leather brought us all together. It was you that set the spirit free. 
So what you can do here is you can take the overall message of the song, the love and appreciation that Saxon has for the metal fans who supported it and helped the genre grow, and you can apply that to the love and appreciation that Progress has towards its fans who helped it grow and helped the genre grow as well. So I don't think that, you know, wrestling fans as a whole wear denim and leather. I think it's more black t-shirts more than anything, but the song can still be a love letter to the wrestling fans who helped make Progress thrive. And if you're someone like Dave Mastiff, well, that's a great way to get people on your side as well. That's really nice, actually. Yeah, that is definitely a tremendous pull in terms of progress, you know, the, the whole getting treated like family, um, the owners just being out front and saying, you know, hey, we're just three guys putting on a wrestling show. And it, it does, it just feels like a very communal sort of environment. So that is pretty fitting, actually. I just think this song is very good for Mastiff because he looks like exactly the kind of person who would be into this song. You know, <laughs> the big black country hoss guy. It's like, yeah, I love me Slade, I love me Iron Maiden and everything. <laughs> Are you aware, um, do you have the phrase in America, built like a brick shit house? I am aware. And yes, we do have that phrase in America. And having seen a picture of Dave Mastiff, I can confirm that he is indeed built like a brick shit house. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, yeah, you wouldn't want to mess with him, really. Uh, he's another like mainstay of the promotion for quite a long while. His first show was Chapter 3, and he quite often get given title opportunities to punish the champions, like, oh, well, we're going to give you a really nasty title match now because Dave Mastiff's going to be involved. He did spend a good deal of time in this heel faction called The Origin, but he still had that kind of like undercurrent of like dad humour to him that really kind of still endeared him to the fans in a certain aspect. And this does feel like, I mean... <laughs> I do like this song, don't get me wrong, but this does kind of feel like dad music in a way. Yeah, from uh, what I remember, there's the origin and there's Eligaro and Mastiff who are the origin banter edition. Yes. I think it was the last time they teamed together, actually. They were wrestling on Mastiff's birthday and Eligaro had set the ring up and stuff and he had little party hats dangling from his horns. <laughs> <laughs> they were phenomenal together. But yeah, I mean, this song, I think, like you say, it's just a big, good celebratory song. And I think the it's very kind of bouncy, like with, with the dueling guitars, like you have the first one hit, it's like, bam, bam. And then immediately the second one's like, bam, 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 and it just has this kind of nice sort of pace to it. It stays in like one gear pretty much throughout the whole song, but like that elasticity in the guitars kind of makes up for it and it's a really good song to have like a, a big guy come out like this and uh one more thing about denim and leather uh for me is that there's a gang vocal in there as well near the end and gang vocals they symbolize a group mentality a sense of community doing things together which again further emphasizes the bond between progress and its fans Time now for another tag team on display. A trio, actually. This is TK Cooper, Travis Banks, and Dahlia Black, a.k.a. the South Pacific Power Trip, 
or if we're talking about TK and Dahlia only, the South Pacific Power Couple. Let's all take a listen to Grand Theft and Key and Crates with Keep It 100. Woke up half dressed up buzzing. Tech said I keep it 100. Fuck my boss, text him, I ain't coming. Keep, 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 keep it 100. Keep it 100. So I looked up Keep It 100 on Urban Dictionary and it means to keep yourself real and true, to be honest, and stick to the way you are no matter what anyone else thinks. And you know, that's a really important lesson in life, you know, being true to yourself and not putting up a false impression to satisfy other people. And looking at TK and Dahlia specifically, they do keep it 100, which in their case means that they are the sleaziest couple in all of wrestling. You know, they are all over each other just making out any chance they can get, tongues and all, which fits perfectly with the song, because the song Keep It 100 is pure sleazy nightclub music. It's that, you know, and I can just picture Dahlia and TK, you know, grinding on each other in the club while this song plays. No concern at all for the people around them, because after all, Duncan, they do keep it 100. <laughs> they absolutely do, yeah. Their whole sort of get a room stick is really, really fitting with this. Like, It's got this big, dirty, throbbing bass and really breathy vocals. And it's just great. Like, This song doesn't so much come out of the speakers it does kind of like drip out <laughs> there's this viscosity to it it's just like insane yeah this is i could drop to this definitely yeah it's like um uh i, I don't know what that means but <laughs> okay uh it's like uh it always reminds me of when mike bennett and maria debuted on smackdown and they were given the gimmick of the annoying couple in love that just wants everyone to know about it and they kiss each other in public, and they're all so mushy, and TK and Dahlia are like that. Except the sleaziness factor is just turned all the way up to 11. And it's like, oh, just, just please get a room. Please. Uh, you know, and the lyrics are the slimy cherry on top. It sums up everything perfectly. Woke up, have dressed still, but Tech said I keep it 100. Fuck my boss, text him I ain't coming. Keep, 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 keep it 100. And it's like, yeah, that is SPPC in a nutshell. They just don't give a fuck what other people think of their sordid ways. Oh, uh, yeah. It's f phenomenal. They're especially good coming out to this. Like, um, So you have this big, keep it one, keep it one, and the, of the whole drums. And then that just drops. And then you get the... And that's when they choose to come through the curtain. And the way they stride out, they, it just really matches the song perfectly. Dali and TK are just an act that are really close to my heart in terms of my experiences coming to see Progress live. They were on the first show that I went to. They were in an intergender tag match against Pollyanna and Flash Morgan Webster. 
and they totally blew me away. I know CCK are a team who have all the sick effing tag moves, but if you'd have seen TK and Dahlia that day, I think you know they had some pretty sick effing tag moves themselves. And yeah, ever since then, I've I go to a show looking specifically for a match like that that makes that kind of impression on me. And you know, they've had a whole bunch of other great matches, the Manchester shows in particular, that I've enjoyed. Yeah, and uh, that intro, by the way, that Keep It 100 stinger, that was part of a huge moment in progress last year because, for those that don't know, TK, Travis, and Dahlia are from New Zealand. And a little while ago, TK and Dahlia's visas expired, so they had to leave England for a time and go back home to New Zealand. But Travis got to stay in England in progress. So at one point, British Strong Style, Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate, and Trent Seven, they were getting ready to destroy Travis with a sledgehammer. And Pete Dunn, he lifts up the sledgehammer, and right as he's about to swing it down, you hear... <laughs> crowd goes nuts, and commentary goes nuts, and TK and Dahlia come out to make the save. And it was a really cool, exciting moment. And Progress is a company that has a lot of those really big, explosive moments, one of which we'll actually talk about later on here, Duncan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. There's a, another instance of that song getting a really great reaction like that. I remember around about this time last year when I was seeing progress in Manchester and it, it was around about when the whole murmurs that they were going to change the themes was coming about and people were dreading like what was going to happen at the shows and TK and Travis were in the opening match and they came out to keep it 100 and the reaction that they got for that, like it was the song getting the pop as much as the team because you know, they were still kind of uh, bad guys at that point. But yeah, it was great to be there in person for. And they're great wrestlers too, in addition to you know being great characters. So and that's always a winning combination when you're a wrestler, of course. <laughs> totally. So we'll go now from Sleazy to Symphony. Uh, now, according to info that Duncan, you gave me, the next song was originally used by Jack Gallagher, but now it's used by another tag team. This one is considerably meatier and nastier than Jack Gallagher, it's Ringkampf, Walter and Timothy Thatcher. From the composer Antonin Dvorak, this is Symphony No. 9 in E minor.
So classical music has been used in wrestling many times over the years. Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Mr. Perfect, Ric Flair, Jerry Lawler, Gorgeous George, Damian Sandow, the list goes on and on and on. And the general stereotype, I think, about classical music is that to enjoy it, one requires a certain place on the social strata. You have to exist at a certain level to listen to this music and to appreciate it and to claim it. So in wrestling, the wrestlers that have used classical music, typically bad guys, have used it to pronounce their superiority over everyone else. Whether that superiority is class-based, intellectually based, uh, culturally based, you use classical music, you are essentially saying that you are better than the other wrestlers and or the people in the audience. In the case of Symphony Number no. 9, my analysis of it is that it's trying to show physical superiority over someone else. I am physically better than you. If we get in the ring, I will dominate you and I will hurt you and I'll be the winner and you'll be the loser. And the ways in which it does this line up with the wrestlers in ring comp. So there's that part of the song that everyone knows that, uh, you know, down, 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 down. That's Walter because there's so much power and weight behind that part. It's brass heavy, it's loud, it's aggressive. That is the equivalent of Walter just throwing you around the ring or caving your chest in with a chop. And then, as the song moves along, it relies less on the brute strength of the brass section and more on the string section. And that section, there's a lot more technique involved. That's Timothy Thatcher, because he's the technical side of Ring Comp. That's him putting you in like eight different chokeholds and arm bars over the course of the match. And it can also apply to Jack Gallagher as well, because he's also a technical guy. Plus, he's a cruiserweight, too, and the tempo really picks up as it goes along. So the song not only represents physical dominance, but it also represents the wrestlers and the ways in which they invoke physical dominance over their opponents, which is, is pretty damn cool. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, dominance is, let you say, the key word here. Just the grandeur of this song it's it suits a team with the kind of presence of ring camp down to a t like the way they walk out and they, they have these like airs and graces to them like yeah, yeah we, we're here you're gonna take notice of this um it's really has this mix of regality and ominousness to it kind of like feels like a, a mixture of the Jaws and the Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I noted that too. Yeah, the intro. It's uh, da 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 da. It's essentially the same two notes as Jaws, which is perfect because when you've got a ring comp coming down to the ring for a match, it does feel like a couple of sharks circling their prey. Uh, it's it's a very ominous part of the song. So yeah, I agree a hundred percent there, Duncan. Sure. Yeah, and then like that you're saying with the brass that suits Volta especially, it's it just kind of sounds like a, a call to war, really. You, you better be ready for something really intense here. I don't know if you've ever seen Ring Kampf have these scarves on sale. Mm -hmm. It has their slogan on it. Yep, I have seen them. Yep. Yeah, do you know what the slogan is? Uh, no. Um, it's, so it's in German, Die Mathe ist heilig, 
which translate to the mat is sacred. And you listen to this song and you can imagine that these are men coming out to it that treat the ring with that kind of respect and with that kind of seriousness. Yeah, this is not Keep It 100 or Party Hard. You know, this is a serious song for serious wrestlers who, you know, there is that regality to it. Again, that sense of you're supposed to stand in awe of these guys because they are so big and so strong and so technically vicious. And I just want to say that, you know, I love Walter so much. He's one of my favorite guys right now. I saw him wrestle David Starr at Beyond Wrestling a few months ago and they had a killer match. Then I watched the match he had with Thatcher at Chapter 62, which was just brutal from start to finish. I love Walter so much. I want him to wrestle everybody in the world. And Duncan, I know you saw him wrestle Mark Davis recently at the most uh, recent Progress show, where if you haven't seen the picture online, Walter turned Mark Davis's chest into hamburger meat. <laughs> I, I joked with someone um, talking about this match that I predicted that someone was going to lose with skin from their chest in this match. I did not realize Walter would take that as a mission statement. Yeah. <laughs> oh my days. Like Mark Davis is an Aussie guy, he's another big lad who's famed for having these massive chops. Couldn't make a dent on Walter in this match. It was insane. Yeah, Walter is a, a big, big boy. You know, for sure. They don't call him Big Daddy Walter for nothing. You know? So, um, Actually, they also call him uh, the Ring General, which is another way that it fits in with the song here because it does sound like a military march. So there you go. Yeah, 100%. They called him Big Daddy Walter as when he was wrestling as a singles guy earlier on in his progress career. And he used to come out to a Drive-By Trucker song, um, Where the Devil Don't Stay. And it was mind-blowing to me that Jack Gallagher would come out to this theme. And I was watching the 2015 Super Strong Style 16 tournament, and both Walter and Jack were involved in like a multi-man match. And the music hit, I'm like, oh, Walter's coming. Like, oh, no, it's Jack. What? <laughs> it just blew my mind a bit. Yeah, Jack definitely works a lot better with March of the Tory Doors, um, which is, you know, that I think is a much better fit for him because Symphony Number no. 9 is a bit too serious for him, I think. Yeah, especially when he went down the whole gentleman route and, you know, when he really started to add these sort of uh, catch wrestling accoutrements to him, doing crazy things like crab walk out of a headlock and things yeah. like that. It's, it's much more evident that he was a showman just as much as he was a technician. So it's time now for the last theme of the episode, and it concerns a rather important figure in Progress Wrestling's history, Jimmy fucking Havoc. The longest reigning progress champion of all time, part of perhaps the biggest progress storyline of all time, and you know, just a rather naughty boy in general. His song is by AFI off their album Burials. This is I Hope You Suffer. So true And now I 
So Duncan, I don't know about you, but I suddenly feel the urge to dye my hair black and hit someone with a barbed wire baseball bat. You know, because <laughs> it feels like the essence of Jimmy Havoc has been turned into musical form here with this song. It's a dark, angry emo song. Jimmy is a dark, angry emo man. It's constantly teetering between moments of uneasy restraint, which are the verses, and these loud, emphatic bursts of violence, which is the hook. And Havdik is a guy who can go from being somewhat peaceful one second to insanely violent the next. And the subject matter of the song is about the give and take of suffering, where someone inflicts pain on you, so you hope that pain is inflicted upon them. And that's pretty much every Jimmy Havoc match, where he just goes to war with his opponent, with chairs and tables and thumbtacks and all that other fun stuff. So I Hope You Suffer and Jimmy Havoc are essentially two sides of the same coin. Totally. I mean, just going off the title, what a spiteful message that is. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he was, I guess, for a long time wrestling out of spite, really. I mean, you talk about the you know, the songs that built progress. Jimmy Havoc was perhaps the man that built progress. He's the central character for a good number of years. Like, appearing from the second show onwards. And he came to progress after having a social media campaign. That, you know, he wanted to start wrestling here and get taken seriously as an uh, actual pure technical wrestler as opposed to you know his deathmatch wrestling that he was more infamous for and you know he'd try but he'd wind up going on this losing streak and then at one point he'd wrestle a match against uh, an act that progress management weren't that fond of and he said okay I'll do the match but you've got to give me a match of my choosing like any kind of match that I want at a later date and then we get to the turn really he's standing in the ring with Jim Smallman Jim Smallman is praising him to high heaven as a man that this is a man who this promotion is all about people who are willing to come and work here and do everything progress is about it's about men like Jimmy fucking Havoc and then bam bam, <laughs> bam indeed not so much a knife in the back as a pink chair to the back. Yeah. <laughs> and Jimmy Havoc reveals his true nature, that he's not this mascot and he wants to do what he wants, not what Progress Management wants. Then the next show following on from that, he wound up taking the title hostage, in essence, using that any kind of match that he wanted opportunity, that he had been promised to beat the champion. And from then on, so many of the names that have already come up in this podcast are all interwoven with Jimmy Havoc. You know, you had FSU. Mark Andrews' title reign lasted mere minutes because of Jimmy Havoc. And, you know, they were constantly warring against his faction, which were known as Regression. Rampage and Mastiff, they were often put into title opportunities to try and punish Havoc, to try and give him the most brutal title defence possible. Marty Skull started to act way more erratically because of Jimmy Havoc being on the top of the mountain, and that eventually led to him essentially losing his mind at the fact that no one had noticed that he'd lost his mind. And then you had Will Ospreay, who was 
the guy who was groomed to be the big baby face in progress. He nearly had his ear cut off by Jimmy Havoc. And from then on, he was like the chosen one. And he'd get title opportunities. And it took him his third attempt to dethrone Havoc. And my goodness, I don't think there was a more cathartic title victory in wrestling than that match really is incredible yeah the uh the story that you just told there duncan um at least the beginnings of it uh that's all documented in the youtube video called the self-destruction of jimmy havoc where jimmy is this you know he's, he's a plucky underdog hardcore guy loses a lot and at one point nigel mcginnis tells him you know jimmy you don't need to do this hardcore stuff you can be the best wrestler in the UK on your own merit, on your own you know, technical skills. And then, of course, what happens next is that Jim Smallman puts Jimmy Havoc in yet another hardcore match. So when he eventually turns on him, Jimmy specifically says that, you know, Nigel McGuinness told me that I was the best technical wrestler in the UK and I came to progress to prove that I'm a real fucking wrestler. And what do you do? You put me in another death match. You shorten my life. Well, now I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. So really, at the heart of it all, this is a story about Jimmy Havoc taking control of his career, taking control of his destiny, much like Party Hard, much like I Will Be Heard, except it's the heel version. And for all the suffering that he had to go through to prove to progress that he was more than just a deathmatch guy, He's going to make progress and its fans and its heroes suffer as well. And it's all summed up in the last lines of the song. I hope you suffer. I hope you do. Just like I, I fucking suffered. Just like you, you made me suffer. I hope you, I hope you do. And he's going to do that by being a progress champion for so long. And that is just, you know, such an amazing story right there. He gave his heart to the cruel and now it will not beat again. He he definitely wrestled like a pretty heartless man. And the thing about this song is that it's very catchy. Even though it's this dark, moody, emo song about pain and suffering, I can't help but enjoy it, you know, and sing along to it. And I'm not an emo guy at all. It's not my lifestyle. But this song is proof that if something hits your ear at the right level and hits your brain at that sweet spot... It doesn't really matter what the subject matter is or what the genre is. You're going to like it and you're going to want to listen to it again and again. And I think that's the same thing with, you know, Jimmy Havoc. He's a misanthrope. He's an outcast. He doesn't look like a typical wrestler. He's been a downright asshole most times in his career, but you can't take your eyes off him. The guy is just, you know, so charismatic and hits all the right notes as a wrestler that I just want to watch him. Whether as a good guy or a bad guy, I want to see what Jimmy Havoc is doing. Definitely, yeah. Um, I have to say I'm one of those guys who knew AFI from Miss Murder being on the radio all the time when they were in college and then thought nothing of them after that. But I, I just love this song. And maybe it's because it's been tied so much to Jimmy as a wrestler and like the wrestling that I've enjoyed, but... Like, just the bombast of that opening, I think, is really, really great. And then you get that followed up, you get this little delicacy of the keys. You know, there's a reminder that there's some kind of... There's still a fragileness behind the spiteful, this spiteful sentiment. That yeah, I think it's the combination of 
and I got two letters from you, or the combination of and I hope you do. I hope you suffer. There's an instability there, much like the instability within Jimmy Havoc. I'm going to throw something out here. I'm not sure whether you agree with me or not, but I kind of get a modern James Bond theme vibe off this in places. Hmm. Hmm. Um, that's interesting. Like, you know, just again, going back to, to the bombast of that opening and then you have like a gentle bit. Yeah, I I think I can hear it in terms of the bombast, um, that part of things. Uh, maybe a bit too dark and heavy for James Bond, yeah, probably. When you get to the chorus, for sure, yeah. It's... Yeah, 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 but uh, I can see what you're going for there. Absolutely, yeah. Could you see Jimmy Havoc as a Bond villain, actually? I think that would be quite good. Do you expect me to talk, Havoc? <laughs> uh, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. And then, of course, he, you know, hits him with a light tube. Now, Mr. Bond, I expect you to give me my title opportunity and to treat me with the respect I fucking deserve. You're nothing but fucking cattle for Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, that, that, that is a damn fine impression of Jimmy Havoc, I gotta say, man. So good. So good. But, uh, yeah, um, going back um, to the big explosive moments in progress history... Much like Dahlia and TK, uh, Jimmy left Progress for a little while. Um, a long time, actually, over a year. Um, and that was after he lost the Progress title to Will Ospreay. And during his time away, Marty Skrull became the new big bad heel champion in the company. Well, you know, lo and behold, you know, Marty is defending his title one day. And all of a sudden, you hear, Crowd goes nuts. Commentary goes nuts. Jimmy comes out. Hits the acid rainmaker on Marty, costs him the title, and now Jimmy Havoc is a huge babyface. So it's pretty crazy how one minute the song is the ultimate heel anthem, and the next it's this big babyface anthem. Definitely, like for months and months, you'd hear that opening blast, and it would fill you with dread, like "Oh, please no! What are you doing now, Jimmy?" And then, like from the point where he'd earned everyone's respect you're like what what you know it's a kind of like um the intro in shoot to thrill really like a a call to arms like you know in an instant who this is you know what to expect um one thing i was when i was researching this song i didn't realize how contemporary it was at the time so from what i could gather the album this was released from was released in October 2013 and that's right around when Jimmy Havoc turned heel like he'd be having his first title defense around January 2014 yeah it's a quick thinking on his part to get that song right away yeah yeah it's like happenstance well I mean this is pretty much the kind of music that he enjoys himself personally from what I can gather so he'd probably have his finger on the pulse Probably got it the day it came out. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, there are a few other songs associated with uh, Jimmy Havoc and his time in progress, and we'll just mention them briefly here. The first is Prelude 1221, uh, also by AFI, and he used that as the intro for I Hope You Suffer for his 
big matches in progress. And it's essentially just your, you know, stomp, clap, stomp, stomp, clap song. Builds up the anticipation in the live setting. It's a softer song, too. Sort of a calm before the storm type of thing. Um, right before the bah, bah hits, which kind of gives you like a shock to the system. Yeah, this is um, like this is actually from the same album as Miss Murder. So there's like uh, I'm trying to do the maths here. There's like seven years between these two songs, but they're a very very good fit for each other because the closing vocals of this prelude match up very well with the opening vocals of I Hope You Suffer in terms of like their level and their tone and stuff. And the keys in this also kind of match the, not that you hear it at a progress show, but it matches up well with the outro to I Hope You Suffer as well. So it's a nice sort of extra, well, not bookend, but book beginning, I guess. Um, A bookend can be at the beginning as well, I think. Oh yeah, I suppose, yeah. yeah there's two, you have to have two ends, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you need uh, two bookends to hold the books up, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this is just like another little kiss off to the fans. Um, and like, I'm looking at the lyrics as well, it talks about how, I promise to depart, just promise one thing, kiss my eyes and lay me to sleep. So I was kind of thinking about maybe it was hinting at maybe if the fans would let go of their hatred and management would let go of what Jimmy had perceived was this disrespect, then Jimmy himself would be able, would be willing to let things go. I was thinking maybe it was like foreshadowing where his character would end up in a way. So the second song is Hospital of Souls by Bring Me the Horizon. And that song was used in promo videos about Jimmy Havoc's heel turn, uh, including that self-destruction video that we mentioned earlier. And the thing I noticed about this song is that with the story of Jimmy Havoc going from plucky, underdog, deathmatch babyface to the sadistic, psychotic, tyrant heel champion, the pacing of the song follows along with that. Because the song starts off as this more melodic softer sound you know hold me close don't let go watch me and then over time it develops into this intense screaming metal song hold me close don't let go watch me so that's a good use of song progression in that video to show the turn from plucky babyface to vicious heel yeah it's it does a really good job at sort of replicating some of the big stages of grief. So, like you were saying, with how genteel it is in the opening, it's like you don't—you're in denial. You don't want to believe that this is happening. You're like, please don't ruin this for me. You know, we have so many great memories together. And then by the end of the song, it's just flat out angry. It's like, how could you, you absolute prick? You know, you've thrown this all away. You know, just. And the third song is The Vampire of Time and Memory by Queens of the Stone Age, which was used in the rehabilitation of Jimmy Havoc video. And uh, you know, that's about Jimmy coming back to progress after being so long away. What is next for Jimmy Havoc? Um, he's trying to find himself again, you know? And the song is about looking into yourself and trying to come to terms with who you are and what you've done in life. And I think it's a good way to sum up that part of Jimmy Havoc's career in progress. You know, um, where do I go now? Totally. Like, by that point, he'd 
So he, he lost a, a really brutal match to Paul Robinson the month after he lost the title and disappeared for a year. And as he was recovering from that match, um, Jim Smallman like, helped him up to his feet. So he kind of got that respect that he was really, that was all he was really looking for from the owners and from the management. And so now he's in this place where, you know, well, who am I even supposed to be anymore? You know, and you hear that in the lyrics, you know, I want God to come and take me home because I'm all alone in this crowd. Who are you to me? Who am I supposed to be? Not exactly sure anymore. And it's such a great fit for that position that Jim, Jimmy was in at that point in time. You know, he'd lost his title. He'd lost his faction in regression. And he'd lost his health because he had this really brutal knee injury that you see in this video package. And they showed that video package uh, at the Progress show that, um, that he was challenging Pete Dunne for the title. This was That was what this video was hyping. And they showed that in the ballroom and everyone collectively winced when that came on the screen. It was horrific. Reading into the origins of this song, actually, and... Josh Hartmate, the lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age, was writing this song after having come out of a coma. A near-death experience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That he was yeah. having an operation on his leg. So again, somewhat fitting. <laughs> <laughs> and he, yeah, he was clinically dead on the operating table for a certain amount of time. And yeah, this was all about you know trying to find his place back in existence you know he's just had this near-death experience he should be um he should be glad he's still around but he's you know finding that he's not really cherishing life in the way that he figured yeah and uh, it also foreshadows in a way with jimmy havoc now where he's a heel again with mark haskins the lyrics you think the worst of all is far behind the vampire of time and memories has died i survived I speak, I breathe, I'm incomplete, I'm alive. Hooray. You're wrong again, because I feel no love. So Jimmy Havoc is back in progress. He's a good guy, but there's that part of him that feels incomplete. There's that black hole inside of him. And we see that now because Jimmy is a heel again with Mark Haskins and the Tag Champs together. He is basically incomplete without that title, essentially. That's the way he feels, and yeah... Totally a, a match for the lyrics to that song, yeah. Alright, well, that was our look at some of the songs that built progress. Uh, of course, like I said, at some point down the line, I'm sure there probably will be a volume two, because uh, there are a few heavy hitters left on the table there, but uh, hey, it's all in good time. All in good time. Uh, Duncan, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was an absolute blast having you on. I hope you had a fun time as well. Andrew, it was an absolute pleasure. I, I knew this podcast was a home run the minute I heard of this concept, and you've been killing it, and it's just so great to be here with you. Thank you so much, man. I truly appreciate that. That's so nice of you. Um, listen, you are the guest here, so please, if you have anything to plug, uh, you may do so now. So you can find my podcast, Then Now Whatever, uh, on Twitter at TNW Podcast. And the easiest place to listen to the show is probably on our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com forward slash TNW podcast. As I mentioned, we mostly, um, we're mostly looking at 
modern WWE, but we also look at past WWE, and there's a lot of uh, a lot about the British scene comes into our shows as well. We have a few episodes about certainly WWE's UK division, ITV's attempt at World of Sport again. I'm also a frequent contributor to the Raw is Nitro podcast, which is a podcast that looks at wrestling shows that were head-to-head against each other and seeing which one is better. I'm currently involved in the story arc looking at the brief 2010 TNA versus WWE Monday Night Wars, which is a hell of a lot of fun. So if you could give them, oh yeah, you give them a follow as well at Raw is Nitro pod on Twitter and you get all the details there too. And I'd like to remind all of you, fine folks, that Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, home to such great wrestling podcasts like the BOW Flagship, Shake Them Ropes, Brit Res Roundtable, where you can hear much more discussion about progress wrestling, Burning Spirits, Sarah and Sarah, Wrestling Omakase, and plenty more, VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Check out the VOW forums where you can find the YouTube playlists for each episode, voicesofwrestling.com slash forum. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. For Duncan Joyce, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.